For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, busy Monday morning for us. Uh, the World Cup for Women is still in progress, of course. We've got some uh, rugby to talk about uh, with Jeff Wilson very shortly. Uh, a look at a uh, famous win for Moana Pacifica. And what about his beloved Highlanders? Where are they at? Uh, 9.32, we're going to go somewhere absolutely strange for us. We're going to beach volleyball, uh, of all places, because some Kiwis are doing pretty well overseas. So we're speaking to Sam O'Day this morning. Uh, who is uh, part of a pair that have uh, done very well at the Australian Beach Tour Championship. Uh, then uh, around about uh, 9.57, we shall have a multi for you. Uh, Tom Latham is the Black Caps captain uh, on the series against the Netherlands. Let's hope it gets underway at some stage. Uh, and let's hope uh, they get some crowds for it, particularly for Ross Taylor, who is saying goodbye as he tours. Well, they've uh, the Bay of Plenty and, and his hometown of Hamilton now, so they missed out in Napier. Uh, Jeff McTage, Stephen Foote will be on the panel this morning. Uh, plenty of subjects to talk about there. And of course, after 11 o'clock, uh, it's our NRL review of the weekend's activities, and there were plenty of them too, with Andrew Voss. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon. Well, conflict. conflicting fortunes for event organisers over the weekend. Crowds are back, that's only good and also reflective of what we've been missing, you've been missing. They still missed a moment though on Friday night, but Super Rugby struck gold with Moana Pacifica, demonstrating that they are here and they can play, and they surely did, weeks before expected, despite jumping over hurdles from the, like the Grand National, they've picked up a golden point win. It's been a fantastic story for this. Uh, apart from the staunch Hurricane fans, you can't tell me there went thousands of people on the back of Danny Tuala as he charged down Mount Smart to score that fabulous winner. This is a good footy story. Before a ball was belatedly kicked this season, the fact that Moana Pacifica had arrived, the sight of Sir Michael Jones and Sir Brian Williams on the post-match, embracing the players with emotion was telling and confirming. Perhaps a real signal even for the old guys, the realisation of a dream and some beliefs are finally seeing it in front of them. Meanwhile, anything but at the ICC after results over the weekend in the Women's World Cup. The home team, our team, is out um, before the serious stuff begins. Nervous times ahead to see if New Zealand fans will support the playoffs going forward. They should, as these girls are good. Their skills are high and the importance is huge for them. They deserve support. The ratings darlings are gone too. India sent packing last night by South Africa in dramatic fashion. Spells the end of some worldwide TV ratings. When India play cricket, the world watches cricket. Will they now? An all-black audience, for instance, compared to an Indian women's cricket audience, on the world stage is a pimple on the proverbial, we just don't rate. We're second by billions. So not the ideal, 
but the logical winners are still around, the Aussies. They are the complete package, perhaps in world sport for women, covering all their bases not once, but twice. They deserve some serious watching and admiring. Rugby now, and uh, Jeff Wilson, of course, former All Black, former Highlander, joins us uh, this morning. Uh, good morning to you, Jeff. Haven't spoken for a while. Good day, Smithy. How are you going? Before we get into that, how do you bowl a no ball if you're an off spinner on the second to last ball? <laughs> how do you do that, Lance? <sighs> how does that happen? I, you know, I don't like, understand. I, I don't understand it. that. Uh, honestly, the eyes of the you know what Indian cricket fans are like. You know, you know what Indian cricket fans are like, mate. Uh, honestly, the dismay around India, around the world of cricket, uh, when that poor young girl overstepped by that margin, bowling off spin, as you say, um, I think, uh, the, the, I don't know if she'll ever forget it or be allowed to. I, I feel sorry for her in a way. Oh, oh absolutely. And you're talking a millimetre. You're talking a millimetre, just something mm. behind the line. You know, because it had been such yeah. a great game. And, you know, and they probably yeah. did, they'd done enough maybe to find a way to win. Anyway... I'm hoping my Highlanders find a way to win, Smithy. I really yeah, it's do. Only, I'm not it's sure only when Owen. that's going to happen. No. It's, it's, uh, it's 0 5, Jeff. It's 0 13. Uh, you went 0 13 in 2000 under Jamie Joseph, finished 3 13. So at least there's some hope for Tony Brown there in a comeback. There's possibilities, but uh, it certainly hasn't probably suited this team to be playing all New Zealand teams um, to start the season. But the reality is they haven't been good enough. But I would say this, though, I really enjoyed the weekend. It's sort of having the fans back here in New Zealand, just a taste of it for a couple of games. It's sort of a, a brief, an injection of life into the competition. And we got three quality games here in New Zealand, which was, which was great. And so we're, I'm sort of now just sort of over the next month sort of looking forward to everything kicking on, hopefully, before we get to that super round in Australia. Okay, let's look, uh, let's just look a little bit more closely, though, at the Highlanders, Jeff. Uh, where's it going wrong for them? Oh, oh the ability to finish and, and put together um, you know, long periods of time where they're in control of the game. They're not being able to do that. They've shown pretty much in every contest that they've pr- probably been in control of games for probably 20 minutes, which has been enough for them to stay close. Um, um, but what it hasn't been good enough to do is be able to finish off games. And, you know, they've put teams under pressure. Um, but this is where you, you need guys who can break the game open. And that's something they're absolutely lacking at the moment. Um, you know, there's no doubt they're hardworking. There's no doubt there's some, there's some accuracy issues in what they're doing, but there's probably not quite enough X factor for them to break down what are really, really strong defences. You know, and, and Ken Laban was on the breakdown last night, and he talked about the loss of Josh Uwani, and, and uh, even before that, Bryn Gatlin hitting in. Both of those guys, uh, players are with the Chiefs right now, but you know, Josh Uwani certainly had his ups and downs. But when, when he was on, you won games. When he was off, unfortunately, he lost games. But that was some of the things you had to sort of live with. And, and losing his type of player, his type of, in, type of impact, um, and his type of talent is a, is a big loss for the Highlanders. And now they're sort of trying to trying to play without that. And that's really difficult. Jeff, caught the last uh, half hour. I've got to say, I've been tied up, as you know, with the women's cricket. But I, 
I, uh, I caught the last hour of more in a Pacifica, mate. It's, it, that was something very, very special to me. And uh, the reactions afterwards, seeing uh, BG and, and, and Michael out there uh, amongst the players, just a shame the, the crowds hadn't been released for the Friday night. That would have been some night there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the great thing about that is they've got the opportunity this week, um, two games here in Auckland playing against the Blues. Uh, yeah, they'll be vastly different sides, and I'm imagining tomorrow night they'll probably be two sort of second-tier teams that'll come come together and play, and then there'll be the big show um, coming up on the weekend on uh, on Saturday night. So I think, in, in a sense, it's, it gives, I suppose, the fans something to really look forward to now here in Auckland. Um, these two games this week, uh, but it was a big moment, a huge moment um, in the context of the season, very much like the Fiji and Drua and their win they experienced in Australia. And, and you know, I think you know um, New Zealand rugby's topped a lot over over the last few years, but in, in terms of you know probably getting a pat on the back for, for you know doing what it could to get this team off the ground, and it hasn't been easy. It was never going to be easy. Um, I've managed to get what was incredibly valuable to them, which was a win early on in their in, in their time as, as a team in Super Rugby. So, look, it was a great great moment, um, great way that they did it. The nature in which they play uh, playing the game is great. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure how many more of these we might experience this season, but in terms of this, mm. it gives them a huge huge boost. And we looked at uh, the other side of it. The Hurricanes uh, have the dubious uh, record of being the first side to lose to them and this a lot earlier than people would have thought. What about the Hurricanes then on that side of it? Yeah, look, they'll be, uh, they will be bitterly dis- disappointed and um, you know, I know the coaching staff, Jason Holland and that, you know, they would look at this as a as a game that slipped through their fingers, the fact that they showed enough during the contest to, to, to really uh, put this game away but was, weren't clinical enough and accurate enough when they got their opportunities to score points. And that's the story of the game. That's the story of rugby, is that you know, you're going to get chances to score. You're going to create opportunities. It's just whether the, which team that takes those. And you know, they'll be looking at it and going, yep, yeah, we, um, we weren't at full strength, but, but we saw a Chiefs side not at full strength come out and perform, perform admirably against the Moana side. So I think for them, this is probably a little bit of a gauge of where they may be in terms of their depth. But let's be honest, they lost an extra time against a, a Moana team that, you know, I thought showed showed great heart, showed great character. The character we saw in their very very first game, they learnt the following following week, uh, the following their second game, that you need to play well consistently, and they responded with that. So, you know, um, you know, like I said, this Moana Pacific team is going to give um, some teams some real trouble, um, and and I don't I don't I imagine they'll get a, a few more wins, and um, those teams across the Tasman will be looking over the, uh, at, at Auckland and going, you know what. Um, there are, there are a couple of threats coming out of uh, the, the big smoke in, in New Zealand. There are. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the big threats were very evident as well over the weekend with the uh, Chiefs and the Crusaders. And every now and then you, you, you just get a reminder from the Crusaders, don't you, and Scott Robertson's boys, that uh, they're still the benchmark. They're the benchmark. Uh, no doubt about it, Smithy. Um, you know, and, and, and this is the, the quality of their side. Uh, the, the way that they go about um, dealing with challenges, um, you know, they were they responded to being bitterly disappointed uh, at losing uh, against the uh, Chiefs in Christchurch, which doesn't happen very, very often. But they relied very, very heavily on the one thing that you can always guarantee is their, their defensive effort. And there were some guys who really, really stood up and brought some physicality. Look, the Chiefs weren't bad. Um, they played some really impressive rugby. 
but they weren't as clinical. And that's what oh, you can always say about this Crusaders team. Defensively, they were accurate. They just don't miss tackles. They haven't missed tackles. Um, and when they created a few opportunities, they finished and finished brilliantly. And they've got a couple of guys in the likes of a Will Jordan, the likes of a um, Sibi Reese who came off the bench, who can finish and do things um, that other players can't quite do. And, you know, that separates them apart. But the Chiefs will, will learn a lot from this experience. They'll learn the fact that, you know, you, you have to take nothing for granted against the Crusaders and you just have to not make as many errors as, as they did. But it was a great contest. I mean, I really, really enjoyed the contest. And that's something that, you know, I, I think for me is that, uh, you know, the fans enjoyed watching. And like I say, it, it seemed to go up a, a, a notch in the weekend. Jeff, I know that the All Black selectors, we've heard Foxy say on the show that they really don't take a heck of a lot of serious notice until they see form closer to the time when they've got All Blacks available to them and they've got games coming up. But uh, what are you seeing any, anything, uh, any standout type performances or any new names on the block that, that, that Ian Foster might be looking at and writing down? It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, they've said that in the past, but I'm wondering whether or not the way the last season finished, that it's a little bit different this season. That they are taking a little bit more stock in what's happening earlier on. They are looking a little bit deeper into the form of all of the players and the nature in which they are playing. Because I would expect, you know, and, and we're going to keep talking about this, there's just a limited number of test matches before the next Rugby World Cup. And so if you're going to explore the abilities of some new guys, you need to go and give them a crack to play, give them a chance to play, you know. And so there's a lot of familiar faces that I think are playing very, very well. Some guys that we know and, and, and guys have got a heap of experience. But there are guys, I think, that have been in the environment because remembering they've picked a heap of All Blacks in the last couple of years. I mean, they're big, big squads. So to push your way in um, and, 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 and give yourself an opportunity in, in front of somebody else is is pretty difficult but look Peter Gus Sawakula didn't play in the weekend I think that was a big loss for the Chiefs mm. um, he's look he's been really really good and he's a different type of number eight something that we haven't traditionally used well Kieran Reeve was there for so long and there's no doubt he was um you know outstanding outstanding all-black leader and captain and, and player and, but Peter Gus Sawakula is someone I'm certainly very interested in they, uh, whether or not they explore Tubavai in the number six jersey given our depth of lock and the type of athlete he's showing he is and can be, and what he's done for the Chiefs in that sixth jersey. He's a guy that I'd really like to see get an opportunity because that sixth jersey is the one I think, you know, we don't seem to have um, uh, as much depth and, se- um, and, and, and settled on. Um, Shannon Frizzell didn't play that many test matches last year um, due to some circumstances. And then Akira Ioane's out of, the, out of the picture right now with injury. So, you know, I really, really like to think that they, they would explore that, but... The usual suspects are putting their hands up. George Bauer, really, really good, powerful for the Crusaders, like what he's showing. Um, but there's, there's not so many new, new players on the block, but I think some guys who arrived last year, like Samasoni Tokiaho, they arrived last year who are just pushing more and more of their case, while other players, like a Dane Coles, like a Akira Yuan, who are, aren't actually out there playing, these guys are front and centre. And I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that um, there are plenty of eyes on them. If we look across uh, the Tasman, Jeff, at uh, Fiji and Drua, uh, where do you think they are at compared to the other newbie, Moana Pacifica? I think, in, I look, it only played half as a number of games, the Moana side, compared to the Drua. And the Drua have missed a couple of opportunities and they have been inconsistent um, across their games. And, and so they've just won the one game. Um, 
Now, they were unlucky a couple of week- weekends ago not to win their second. Um, you know, a kick an extra an extra time or just on full time from the force beat them. So, I, I look at them and go, they're still in that learning phase. And and you know, the, the big question mark now is is you know whether the the Melbourne Rebels who got their their first win on the weekend against the Drua and they they've got some personnel back which makes them a little bit stronger. But the Drua are going are going through those uh, just those learning 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 times. You know, the fact that. You know, you can't you can't come out and make errors and mistakes against Super Rugby sides and not get punished eventually. And so, they've been hot and cold, but when they've been on, they've been very dangerous and shown they're going to be competitive over time. I mean, you've got to think long game with these these two sides, really. Um, and and you know, Wano certainly will have got up on this last weekend and they would have celebrated. And but um, they've still got plenty of work of work to do as well. But in terms of getting their first wins. I think that's really, really important for the competition. And you know you can't take them for granted now because you know that they're good enough to get across the line. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was, I was thrilled with the physicality they showed right towards the end defending their line. I thought, I'm more on a Pacifica I'm talking about. I thought, uh, you know, the mate-on-mate stuff there. And it was apparent after the game. They, you know, these guys know each other very well, etc. But And there, was, uh, there were no prisoners taken there. Jeff, look, as we know, it's a huge year for women's sport in this country hasn't worked out for uh, the White Ferns, uh, which I guess places a little bit of extra pressure on the Black Ferns uh, a little bit later in the piece. We saw the women's Six Nations begin over the weekend, um, which gives them, I think, a huge advantage in terms of the way they're building up and the advantage they already seem to have over the Black Ferns. So it's a competition worth keeping an eye on for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I watched um, the highlights of the... Uh, or actually, I watched the England-Scotland... Um Again, England were really, really strong, um, playing some good footy. Uh, we've got a pack four competition coming up, which is going to be pretty valuable um, in terms of preparing our team. Look, probably the biggest news coming out is, is clearly that, that Wayne Smith's um, going to have an involvement now and help prepare this team. Um, and and it looks as though Graeme Henry is going to play a role as a selector in, the, um, in and around the squad as well. So New Zealand rugby recognising that maybe they need a little bit of support and resource in, in, in those two areas and giving them some more people on the ground. Um, Super Rugby Old Picky was a start, um, and it's given them something to, to work off. But, yeah, I, I think that's going to have to be... Look, I, the fact we're at home, the fact we can get some momentum, you know, I, this this tournament's going to be won and lost in the, in the knockout rounds. It's not going to be won in the first couple of weeks. That's going to all work to our advantage. It's just a matter of now um, uh, they can get the best preparations they possibly can. But there's no doubt a Six Nations campaign is going to prepare those Northern Hemisphere teams well. But in saying that, we, mm. we know what to expect now. You know, I think we, we know what we saw at the end of last year, exactly where the Northern Hemisphere are at. And we've got the, the ground to make up. But it's not to say, from what I saw in Super Rugby, I'll pick you with a lot of hard work and, and a lot of attention to detail. I think we can get there. And it's going to be a very, very competitive World Cup. Thanks very much, uh, Jeff. As always, um, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm actually loving this Women's Cricket World Cup and this hell is some great skills on, on show for me and that Australian side. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure of all the World Cups I've been to and, and commentated on, I've seen a more complete deal, to be honest. Yeah, I, I look, I, I, there's no doubt. You know, there's been great drama. Um, you know, we've, we've, we haven't had too many games interrupted with weather, so the best teams have got through, I believe, mm-hmm. and... and you know, we just weren't quite good enough, New Zealand. But but you're right. I mean, Australia are going to be really difficult um, to stop because they can they can sort of beat you in a number of ways. You know, uh, mm. a world class um, fielding outfit. 
who's got a, a bowling lineup which can put you under pressure if they don't quite get enough runs. And if you don't bowl well enough again, then they can take the, way, the game away from you with the bat. Um, but um, as we know, and we've been and, and experienced all before, it's on the day, right, Smithy? This is what winning World yep. Cup is all about, and finding a way. And it can come down to the last ball, and it comes down to a... Unfortunately, we've, as we learned last night, it can be a, a, a matter of millimetres. Yep, that can, Jeff. Hey, look, uh, on the day is correct, and thanks for starting our day off here on SENZ in the mornings. Have a great week, mate. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Great to chat. Talk soon. Yeah, cheers. Jeff Wilson, yeah, catch up in person shortly. So um, that's uh, coming out of uh, Super Rugby over the weekend. Uh, what did you think? Oh, mate, highlight of the weekend for me uh, has to be Moana Pacifica. Was it for you? What did you see for the future there? Double eight, double three. perhaps we'll start our text on that this week. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Double eight, double three is our text number. Uh, don't forget, you can come in on uh, Moana Pacifica. Surely you watched it. Surely you've got some uh, impressions about it. Uh, what about if you're a Hurricanes fan? How do you feel about that? Uh, that was uh, not a great performance on your... If you're a Highlanders fan, um, what's, what's the issues there? Um, and uh, are you going backwards or forwards in this competition? So... Uh, there's that, and it's also, of course, uh, the Women's Cricket World Cup. We're out, we're gone, it's confirmed now. Um, you know, even though we played okay against Pakistan, we should dominate them every day of the week. Uh, what do you make of the campaign now that it is all said and done and there's no uh, what-ifs? Uh, Carter, Bob Carter is gone, this coach is gone. Should there be any other casualties as well? Sophie Devine saying she hasn't made up her mind whether she wants to continue captaining uh, the side. Uh, should she have a say in that? I'm not sure. Uh, should it be up to her and uh, do you have a, a new coach in mind for uh, the Women's World Cup team going forward or they've got the Commonwealth Games coming up etc so uh, plenty to talk about there uh, and also if you're uh, into the Greyhounds tune in uh, to us here on SENZ every Sunday from 11 till 12 uh, for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed now this is a show hosted by Ricardo Ball who's up speeding on dogs as we speak uh, he's joined by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. Uh, we're going to head to the news now with Araha. And when we come back, we've got some beach volleyball to talk about. NZ.
Sam O'Day not answering his phone at the moment, so uh, we'll have to wait for that beach volleyball at the moment. There's a lot of uh, cricket being played, of course. The West Indies clinched the Botham Richards Trophy with an emphatic 10-wicket victory over England in the deciding test of the series on day four in Granada. What a beautiful place that is, just by the by, if you're heading in that direction. Uh, chasing a token, uh, token target of 28, uh, they got there easily with uh, Craig Braithwaite hitting the winning runs, and how ironic it was, because what a series he has had, and uh, what a result for him too. Uh, as captain, he's uh, done a very fine job, uh, but for England, it's been another tale of woe. I mean, how can you get bowled out so cheaply as they were? And everyone is now climbing into England. Uh, if they weren't after the Ashes, they certainly are now, and Sir Andrew Strauss is copying it uh, as the person that stepped in. And he's the guy, I remember, who left uh, Broad and Anderson at home, directed them to have a breather, and now they're losing on a regular basis, England. Their record in test matches of late is horrific. Uh, also, uh, one of the world's best batters with a test average of 50, Joe Root, has really looked the natural leader. So everyone now is looking at Joe Root and saying, let's just have Joe Root the batter, please. At least we'll get some runs uh, and find another captain around him. He just doesn't appear to be a natural captain. So the first two tests were drawn on flat pitches in Antigua and in Barbados. Right, we've got uh, the guys on the line now, our uh, beach volleyball superstars, the 2022 uh, Commonwealth Games are slowly creeping up in our sights until our best volleyballers are just heating up yesterday. Sam O'Day and Brad Fuller wrapped up on a golden weekend in Queensland by winning the final of the Australian Beach Tour Championship in three sets. 21-17, 13-21, 15-12 over the top seeds, the Aussies. They did it the hard way too. Joining us now to explain what this all means is uh, Sam O'Day. He's got uh, Brad with him, I believe, as well. So, uh, fellas, uh, congratulations. Sam, uh, if we can uh, talk to you first of all. Uh, yet to go through the qualifying rounds. It was a long road to get there, but to success in the end. Congratulations. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a long three days. Um, pretty disrespectful of the Aussies to put us in the quali and uh, seat us fifth. But we'll definitely remember that when uh, when they come and play our tour. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just kind of grinded through the whole tournament. Um, had a couple tough ones along the way, but just kept winning. So uh, it, was, it was great for us. We've been... In New Zealand competing for the uh, for the summer, so getting out and getting some international competition and winning the tournament was huge. Okay, let's uh, um, talk about uh, what that means to you now uh, in terms going forward with that with that success. What, what's next for you? Uh, so we got one more week here in Australia where we're playing a FIVB Futures event, which um, will go towards our goal of um, going to the Commonwealth Games as well. And then from there, we go to Thailand for one more event before heading back home. Um, and hopefully by then, we would have locked in the spot to go to Commonwealth Games. So uh, you, uh, over the weekend, of course, with, with this success, um, you'll have memories of 2018 Commonwealth Games uh, when you picked up the bronze uh, with your brother Ben. What, what's Ben up to these days? Yeah, he's still playing. Uh, he's, got, he's got a new partner. Um, so he'll be over here, This I think he's arriving today actually, and he'll be playing, uh, trying to take our spot really for the common game. So we haven't fully secured it, uh, we just need to make sure that we mm. keep winning. So this was a good result for us and our team. Um, but now, instead of being on the same side of the net, we'll be battling against each other, which we have all summer back home, uh, which has been fun. Okay, uh, looking forward to, um, just say so you do common, uh, the Commonwealth Games, the standard of... Um 
you know, we're used to seeing uh, the Olympics, beach volleyball in the Olympics with so many non-Commonwealth Games uh, teams in there. Who would be favourites in terms of Commonwealth Games if we look forward to that? Uh, what happened last year was Australia 1, uh, Canada 2 and us 3, then England 4. So, I mean, the, a big difference I think this year is um, now that that was a lot, uh, the first time that beach volleyball was at a Commonwealth Games, so there's going to be some other countries that will be getting a bit better, I'd say. But um, those are all really strong programs, so we'll have a tough a tough road ahead of us for sure. But, yeah, as as we got the bronze last time, we're definitely looking to get the gold, and I think we have a good shot if we keep improving and keep uh, winning tournaments on the way to getting there. Is, can Brad hear me? Is he able to talk? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey uh, Brad, uh, thanks. Welcome into the show as well, mate. Tell us, uh, tell us about uh, how you split the brothers up and you became a partner um, with, with Sam. How did that combination come around? Uh, I think Sam saw the light a little bit. <laughs> nah, um, well, I don't know. I think they um, obviously decided to go their separate ways on their own. I, I didn't have uh, too much to do with that. And then um, Sam's obviously looking for the next best thing, so he kind of um, came my way. Well, the new best name. Yeah, yeah. The new. Fellas, I've got to say, we've been dealing a lot lately with the Winter Olympics, and we've got all these young, cool cool kids, male and female, of course, going around the world on their snowboards, etc., doing these wonderful things, living the life, living the dream. Uh, I can't think of of a better way to spend your life playing beach volleyball, travelling the world. Tell us us about the lifestyle, how how you got into it, and is is it lucrative enough for you to continue doing it? Um, so I just started in school, um, and then I got good enough to be able to travel a little bit with it. I haven't done too much traveling so far, but from what I have done, um, in this past week, it's um, been a pretty awesome lifestyle, just being able to go to all these um, different beaches. And in terms of carrying it on, I'll definitely like to, it's just uh, hopefully we can keep winning and actually make some money out of it, I guess. Yeah, you, you can you can make so, the money for sure. Yeah. It's not it's not like golf or or tennis. Um, we definitely like need support to I guess get out there and and like cover uh, cover some some costs and stuff like that. But I mean, we do it because we love it, and uh, we will kind of make our money other ways uh, later on in life when we kind of stop. But yeah, I mean, the lifestyle is awesome. It's uh, it's an awesome sport because it's not super huge, so it kind of builds a really good community around the world. So we kind of have friends. Wherever we go, which is pretty awesome. And as Brad said, the beaches are awesome. Um, so, yeah, not too bad. What, what about this, uh, the, the beach volleyball scene back in New Zealand? I mean, you say you got into it. Uh, how, how do you get into it, and how do you get to the point where you're serious at it? That's, that's uh, I guess, what I'm trying to get at. I mean, uh, is there, a, is there yeah. a clear pathway, or you just have to be lucky, or what? I think, like, the, the thing with... I guess this sport in New Zealand is a small sport. So the cool thing about it is it only takes two people, a ball and a net. So it doesn't take too much to get into it. Uh, it's still a sport. I mean, it's like there's, there's big teams. There's like uh, if you're playing against a team, they'll have like, up to, I don't know, five support staff now. So it is very professional. But it's still a sport that you can do kind of on your own back a little bit. And that's kind of what we have done for a lot of our careers. Uh, which has been cool. You kind of do it that, I guess, that Kiwi way a little bit. But um, there's some good programs in New Zealand, uh, some good coaches, and then a lot of people go over on scholarships 
now to the US and uh, and get some good coaching yeah. over there. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't take too much. It's not like a, a yeah squad of 15 um, stuff like that. So it's it's still kind of yeah it's small yeah kind of grassroots I guess. Sam, you've you've got uh, history, uh, sporting history in the family as well, because your well, your granddad Bob was uh, was an All Black back in the fifties. Um, you wouldn't have oh, quite clearly. What have you heard about his his days? And and uh, you know he's not around obviously now to 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 catch up, unfortunately, and and enjoying your success. But what about those uh, those old All Black stories? Yeah, I mean my whole family is like very sporty, um, but yeah, it was it, it's pretty cool. Uh, some some good genes, I guess, uh, that carry through, which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was a farmer first in those days, and uh, and then played a couple of tests and and got injured. But yeah, from all accounts, most of the stories I hear from him was yeah his days on the farm, to be honest, and uh, just been a just been a good dude. And I think sport has changed obviously quite a lot since uh, he was in the team. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, fellas, the, the, I guess outside of the Commonwealth Games, outside, the, the next step, of course, in terms of uh, representing the country is the Olympics. Not too far away now. Um, aspirations there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we'll take this one off, um, get there and, and get goal. I think we always say, like, winning solves everything, um, and that's the next goal for sure. Uh, but we just want to get out there now. We've had, like, a couple of years back home, not been able to do too much. Um, so, I mean, Brad, he hasn't had too much experience on uh, on the world tour, so he's just itching to go. And it's a new partnership. So, I mean, we've started the best way possible in winning and kind of building that habit. So we just take it kind of one one bit at a time. It's kind of hit as it goes, you know, with these times. Um, but for sure, that's on the on the radar. We just keep kind of evolving, evolving and improving uh, on our way to get in there. Tactically, it's an interesting sport to watch because there's a, a, a lot of, you know, obviously with the serving and the guy at the net sort of situation and the secret signals behind the back, um, those kind of things. And then, uh, of course, when you're receiving, you're side by side and then and you have to go sort of front and back. So um, is there a clear pattern in what you're doing there or are you both versatile enough to, to play either role? I think we are versatile to play either role, but um, Sam's... Sam plays the big man's game. He's a little bit taller, and I'm uh, sit in the backcourt and look for the more crafty shots and stuff. But um, I think communication plays a huge part in the sport. We're always communicating, whether it's um, verbal or signs, as you see when Sam's got some fingers behind his back telling me what he's blocking. Um, so I think we, yeah, we play a really good game and we play to our strengths. So, uh, in terms of training, uh, uh, you know, a lot goes on the serve for me. I mean, how much time would you spend uh, when you're at the peak and you're in competition, etc., leading into a competition? How much time would you spend training a week as a duo and as as individuals on your skills? So, for the past few months leading into uh, our New Zealand tour, we were training almost every day, about about five days a week. Um, on the sand, um, excluding the gym. So it, it is quite a heavy workload, and it does take a little bit of toll on the body. But, yeah, we, we definitely try to look after ourselves. Uh, guys, it's been great catching up with you. Congratulations on your success. Uh, certainly now that we know you, we'll keep a, an even closer eye on, your, on how things are progressing for you with the, 
a view towards that Commonwealth Games selection and uh, success over there in the UK, mate. Uh, fellas, uh, Brad, uh, and to Sam, thanks very much for your time this morning. All the best, fellas. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brad. Cheers for the call. Uh, cheers, guys. Yeah, no, all the best. Uh, beach volleyball stars there, um, and keep an eye on them because uh, certainly uh, they are definitely medal prospects. They have to get picked, of course, first of all, but uh, once they do, this, they're a good combo by the sound of it, and um, success over the weekend uh, is testament to that. It is 9.45 here on SENZ. We'll have a multi just before 10 o'clock and uh, perhaps a text or two on the way. And the WCGC World uh, Match Play Golf, which is uh, effectively the PGA event of this weekend. Uh, At the moment in the grand final, Scotty Schleffler from the USA is three up on Kevin Kisner from the USA after eight holes. So Schleffler three up after eight. Eight. We'll keep you posted on that throughout the morning. Texting from Graham. A morning, Smithy on Super Rugby. My wife and I were screaming at the TV for Moana Pacifica to score that try. All power to them and to Aaron Major. Uh, and on the cricket, sadly, the White Ferns were not good enough. And sadly, a few of the older players need to retire. Uh, Graham has mentioned Amy Satthwaite and Leah Tahuhu. Uh, that would be two in his mind. Um, I would like to think that in the future they would look to get Craig Cumming involved who did a great job with Otago, that's from Graham uh, from Marlborough these days, formerly from Northland, yeah I think you've got the, <coughs> got the sentiments here, it's always easy to, um, uh, initially anyway, uh, before we really sit down and analyse uh, just who should come and who should go um, I think there's little doubt that Bob Carter had to go um, and I think he was planning to go anyway by the sounds of it, win, lose or draw uh, he's got a nice little job down there in the high performance centre. Um, I'm not quite sure what high performance means these days, um, and, and uh, it would be interesting to have a chat to someone about it. What, is, what does high performance mean in cricket? What does it mean in rugby? Uh, I thought you you kind of look for high performance whatever you do, but it's just me by the by. So he he's going back to there. Uh, Craig Cumming is a very good option. There's no absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, he clearly is able to get the best out of. Uh, of players, uh, they work for him, they play for him. Uh, that is an option, um, which probably leads him down the path of not being uh, a candidate. <laughs> to be honest, he's probably the perfect candidate. So, oh, look, I don't know. They, they have to do something very shortly, though, because they've got a Commonwealth Games coming up, and uh, they need to prepare for that. And the coach needs to have uh, the opportunity to do just that. So, New Zealand cricket will have to act very uh, swiftly on on that, and um, we'll, we'll wait and see. Nine fifty-two here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, today we've got the Utah Jazz to beat the Dallas Mavericks in basketball at buck 83, and we've got a couple of uh, interesting uh, football matches in the Americas, if you like. The Costa Rica to beat El Salvador at a buck 91, the USA to beat Panama at a dollar 40. That's a $4.89 return. Now, uh, Logan, you were telling me you're keeping a very close eye on the CONCACAF competition because uh, the All Whites also will be keeping a close eye on that, all going well. Yeah, that's right, Smithy. Uh, at the moment, as far as top of the CONCACAF goes, uh, Canada are up 2-0 at halftime over Jamaica. Uh, if they win this game, they're in. They haven't been in the World Cup since 1986. Uh, as it currently stands on the table, uh, New Zealand would quite likely play Costa Rica, and uh, New Zealand did win today 
1-0 against Tahiti. So now that sets them up for a final with the Solomon Islands on Thursday. Okay, so that'll be interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do watch a bit of uh, USA football. I kind of think the USA team has just gone off the boil a wee bit. They were hot there for quite some time, um, but they've just gone off the boil ever so slightly. So Canada, that's good news. On the back of their women's team, of course, uh, I think from memory, winning the gold medal uh, at the uh, Tokyo Games in football as well. So uh, Canada going real good, real good in football at the moment. Uh, we'll have uh, Tom Latham just after 10 o'clock. Of course, they're trying to get the, uh, the series against the Netherlands started. Let's see what prospects are and what the feeling in the camp is with the New Zealand cricket captain after the news coming up with Aroa. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ and uh, continuing along with the cricket theme and the weather theme actually. Mother Nature uh, proved uh, the victor on Friday night here in Napier. It just seems if you schedule a game of international cricket in Napier, the heavens will open and that pattern has continued again this season. My, having said that, been a lot of rain around the country, hasn't there? Uh, so no T20, uh, but the weather forecast looks uh, a lot better tomorrow for the Bay Oval and the Mount, uh, where the first of three one-day international starts. Uh, the other two will be uh, at Seddon Park on Saturday and Monday, a double-header to finish the season. OK, so uh, Tom Latham is captaining New Zealand in this particular mini-series against uh, the Netherlands and joins us now, Tom. Uh, good morning to you. Frustrating uh, the other night, of course, but things looking better for tomorrow, hopefully. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, uh, obviously, um, when Mother Nature plays its part, it's obviously um, not ideal, but um, yeah, obviously came to the mount uh, yesterday, so we're excited about uh, the prospector of three one days, and, and fingers crossed the, the weather plays its part uh, in this part of, part of the North Island. Well, Mother Nature also uh, came to call on you in the terms of COVID within the squad, so Mark Chapman is out. Uh, George Worker gets uh, a timely recall uh, on the back of some great form, so uh, he's been good for Auckland, George Worker, this year, so he comes into the mix for you. Yeah, obviously, yeah, disappointing for, for Chappie. Uh, I guess the, the way of the world at the moment is obviously, uh, you know, the chance of, of things like that happening. So um, I guess on the back of that, George has, has obviously earned his, his recall. Uh, you know, he's been out of the squad for a while and uh, he obviously had a fantastic four trophy uh, for Auckland this season. So, uh, you know, he'll be coming into the squad full of confidence and, and if he gets his chance, then uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be looking to take it with both hands. So Chappie's more, um, Mark Chapman's more sort of a middle order player. Um, George Worker's been doing all his work at, at the top of the order, but is quite versatile, George, as well. And plus he's got the, the other elements of it to his game. Yeah, he does. Uh, I guess, yeah, George being in there. Um, obviously, full batting cover um, in terms of that role and, and whatnot. But I guess those conversations that we had in terms of I guess the final makeup of the side and what that looks like, and obviously, you know, having that strength to his bow in terms of bowling a few a uh, few left armers uh, also also helps. So, um, you know, I'm sure the conversations we had over the coming days, um, you know, before each before each game. Okay, let's look at this uh, Netherlands side. Uh, there's a few names for those who, who with with uh, good cricket knowledge about them. They've been around the scene for a while. This is a really good opportunity for them to make a mark. Tell us a, a, a wee bit about what you're expecting from them. Um, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of an element of, of unknown. Um, haven't played Netherlands in a series for, for a long time. I think we've obviously played them uh, at the T20 World Cup and there's a little bit of uh, footage on them from, 
from that World Cup. So uh, I guess the, the element of surprise, uh, we're obviously trying to eliminate that as, as much as we can. But um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be they'll be coming here with, with high hopes of, of putting a couple of good performances on the board. And, and I guess it's just great for, for Associate Nations to be playing uh, you know, four member nations. And um, I guess from our point of view, with a few guys, um, you know, guys out at the IPL, it creates opportunities for other guys. So uh, you know, it's an exciting series for, for both teams. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. New Zealand are very highly ranked. We're a very highly pro- high-profile side. Um, but it is important, isn't it? I, I think, you know, th- there was a time when New Zealand were, uh, were in the Netherlands' shoes, really, trying to make their way in the game. So uh, I think it's important, isn't it, for, for us to play our part in that regard? Yeah, it's 100% as I think the more, um, you know, Associate Nations can play, uh, you know, the likes of us or, or other four member nations, that I guess it just builds the... There was a depth, depth of international cricket, and uh, as you said, I'm sure there was a time where um, we were, you know, close to their shoes, and, and I guess we've managed to, I guess, keep, um, you know, building on on what we've got. So um, and I'm sure in the future, the more opportunities those sort of sides get, then you know, fingers crossed that they can, uh, you know, keep making games as well. So uh, you know, it's a really beneficial series for for them, but also also for us and, and building our depth of our side. And this form of the game too, Tom, because um, the old one-day internationals for the Black Caps have been few and far between lately. Yeah, I think uh, last year against Bangladesh was the last time uh, we played a one-day series. And I think before that was when we came home from Australia uh, when COVID first started. So, uh, you know, from an ODI format, there hasn't been a lot of cricket. And uh, obviously we understand that in 2023 there's a a World Cup coming up. So, um, yeah, I guess it's probably starting to, uh, preparations are starting to build for that. Uh, obviously in India where conditions will be slightly different so uh, I guess it's important for us to, to try to switch into that one day mode as quick as possible and uh, hopefully we can we can do that straight away So how has it come together uh, in that respect because as you say I mean there's upwards of uh, 10 or 12 players who may have been in contention um, who are playing in the IPL of course so uh, how's this particular squad come together uh, under yourself and, and Gary Yeah I think it's just for the guys to come here and, and sort of do what they've been doing for the domestic sides, really. We've obviously, even though we've got quite a few guys out, we've still got, um, you know, a lot of experience with the likes of, of Gutt and, and Ross, obviously, playing his last series. So uh, for us, it's just about trying to, I guess, familiarise ourselves with our blueprint in terms of how we go about one-day cricket. And, um, you know, fingers crossed those guys that have come into the side that, that haven't been um, here a huge amount can continue the form that they've had in and domestic cricket, and obviously the likes of you know, someone like Michael Bracewell, who's um, you know who's been picked on form over the last couple of years, and especially this year. Um, you know, hopefully when he if he gets his opportunity, then then hopefully he can continue that form that he's shown. So uh, you know, I guess for us, as I said, it's about trying to switch into that blueprint as best as possible, and, and try to put a good performance on the board. How is the old boy Ross Taylor? Is he uh, is he walking around a wee bit? Um Hung, drawn, or something? Is he looking forward to the series? Is he? Is he? Uh, do you sense and uh, um, it, it's times up for him? What, what's his attitude been? Uh, I saw him briefly last night uh, when we got to the hotel. So uh, I'm sure he's probably got a a few mixed emotions in terms of um, you know obviously his last series for New Zealand. So uh, I guess from our point of view, it's about trying to ensure that he and enjoys this series as much as possible so um, obviously hasn't had a lot of cricket uh, over the last couple of weeks but uh, I'm sure he'll be looking forward to to getting into things and yeah, as I said there'll be, be the mixed emotions and uh, obviously it'll be great to have his, 
have his family here and, and obviously playing uh, where he lives in Hamilton uh, for his last game. So, yeah, it's an exciting time, but also, uh, I guess, a sad time, uh, you know, to to farewell to here over New Zealand cricket who's been around for so long. And fortunately, uh, Tom, uh, they've opened the gates up. You know, the government has uh, come to the party. I, I won't say they've done it for Ross Taylor. He's an influential guy, but, uh, you know, the, it, it just... It does uh, just appear that uh, we have an opportunity here to farewell, just not Ross Taylor, but the cricket season uh, this year with, with some atmosphere. Yeah, it's obviously fantastic to, to see that there's going to be full crowds back. Um, obviously, I'd, you don't take it for granted, but um, you know you certainly notice uh, you know when, when you have a full crowd there and whatnot. So uh, it's obviously great that um, they're going to be, uh, be there, and obviously hopefully we can... Uh, get as many numbers there as possible, uh, and, and you know the next couple of games, and obviously especially that last one um, for us to, to feel well and in style. How do you approach a series that um, the whole world thinks you should win comfortably? Uh, I guess for us, it's trying to I guess focus on on what we what we do really well. I think um, obviously I said the the slight unknowns of, of what the Netherlands might bring. Um, you know, it's important that that we do exactly what we would do for, for any other series and prepare um, like we would for any other series. So, um, you know, for us it's just about, yeah, as I said earlier, is, is trying to stick to our blueprint and one-day cricket that we haven't played for a while. So if we are able to switch into that mode uh, as, as quick as possible, then, you know, hopefully that will give us a good chance. So, you know, obviously it's great to, um, you know, give some guys a little bit more experience at international cricket and to, to keep building that depth. So uh, hopefully if we do that well, then, then we can put a couple of good performances on the board. Individually, Tom, of course, you've had to switch from uh, test mode. As you say, you haven't played a lot of one-day cricket as such, so that would mean not a lot of glove work from your particular point of view. So how much, uh, how much glove work have you been able to put in? Uh, managed to get a, a one-day game for Canterbury <laughs> about a month or so ago uh, before the test matches. So it hasn't been a huge amount, but uh, you know, fingers crossed I can uh, get in behind the stumps and hopefully the body... Hopefully the body's not too sore after 50 overs, so uh, obviously always yeah. an opportunity to keep and uh, looking forward to, to getting behind the stumps again tomorrow. Uh, hey Tom, uh, just on the Women's World Cup, a, a packed house, well a pretty close to a packed house uh, for our girls on Saturday afternoon there uh, at Hagley Over. You'll, you'll have enjoyed um, uh, the atmosphere there playing in front of that again, but um, Women's World Cup has been pretty well received in this country, disappointing from our girls' point of view, but... Uh, I think the standard of cricket, I mean, has has just been amazing in, in some areas. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Obviously, obviously for New Zealand. Obviously, uh, I think some of the games that um, I have witnessed, um, you know, there's been some been some stories there going down to, to the last over and the last ball and whatnot. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a pretty good spectacle to be fair. And, and as you said, the standard has been been fantastic. And uh, unfortunately, the, our girls didn't quite. Um, didn't quite get make the make the playoffs, but um, I guess in saying that some of the games that they played in uh, has been been fantastic to watch. So um, yeah, I guess it's been a success all round, really. Okay, mate. Um, yeah, uh, they won't be there, but uh, we've got some great encounters coming up, coinciding with uh, what you're doing as well, you guys. All the best for that series against uh, the Netherlands. I hope it's well supported, and uh, I hope you can say goodbye to the old man in uh, the possible the best possible fashion. Good luck, mate. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Smitty. Yeah, Tom Latham there, of course, who's uh, captain of the Black Caps for this uh, tri-series, I say tri-series, tri-match series uh, against the Netherlands. So one game at uh, Bay Oval and then two at the weekend 
uh, over the weekend for Ross Taylor. I think the last one is on a Monday of all time. So uh, that will be a big farewell. I think a lot of people travelling uh, that I know of are travelling around the country just for that. And now that the gates are open, they can actually go, which is uh, really good news. It is uh, 10.14 here on SENZ. Uh, we will have a panel very shortly, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to... Always Monday panels are good because they're a, a little bit of review over the weekend, but there's some uh, matters that we can talk about, and that will be with uh, Jeff McTainch. Now, Jeff called Moana Pacifica uh, that match the other night against the Hurricanes, so what was his feelings uh, about that? And Stephen Foote will be alongside him as well. So panel shortly. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Right, uh, we've got a panel this morning consisting of uh, Digital News Hub man Stephen Foote, uh, who was uh, all over UFC and the Warriors, so we've got to talk about them uh, this morning, don't we? And uh, Jeff McTainch, of course, uh, from Sky Sport, uh, doing some great work uh, at the uh, Olympics, Winter Olympics, etc. And now, of course, uh, back uh, calling uh, Super Rugby. Jeff, we'll begin with you because you, caused hi- uh, you called history over the weekend. I won't say you caused history, you called history over the weekend, mate. Uh, fantastic, fantastic performance from Moana Pacifica. Caught the last half hour of that. Uh, the emotion around it, uh, just simply superb. Good morning, Smithy. G'day, uh, footy and, and listeners. Um, yeah, it was a, a privilege to be at Mount Smart um, on the weekend to see uh, to see history. I, I think what struck me uh, was all of the rhetoric around Moana Pacifica uh, in the lead up to the season was, you know, they didn't have the depth. Um, they were going to be pushed, they were going to be challenged, they were going to be up against it, and that proved to be the case. I mean, they didn't play a couple of weeks at the start of the season, of course, because of COVID, then they had more postponement, uh, didn't have a crowd. I mean, they had about 900-odd family and friends, which I know certainly made a difference, but to see them get it done and, and under those circumstances, they're on the wrong side of the penalty count the week before against the Chiefs. Uh, it proved to be the case, albeit uh, evening up somewhat in that second half uh, against the Hurricanes, but uh, on the back foot in so many areas statistically, um, but to come out a- a- and play with um, just this will and passion to, to, to try and go the length of the field, which ultimately proved to be the case in the kick from Danny Tuala, um, it was uh, it was a special occasion. And I think one of those Super Rugby games, Smithy, that will go down as, uh, as one of the gritty, more hearty performances by a team. Yes, Stephen, um, I-, I like your thoughts on it as well, because... I think it's fair to say that victory uh, has come a lot sooner than a lot of people would have thought. Absolutely, Smithy, and yeah, morning everyone. I, I, I was in that camp. I was in one of the. I was. I firmly believed it was going to take a little while for Moana Pacifica to really find their feet in this competition. But hey, they've done it quicker than the Highlanders, and we'll talk about them later. Uh, but just, yeah, just as Jeff mentioned, the passion they showed, the grit. They were a man down there. They had to fight back from there. And then those last, that last 15 minutes, the Danny Tuala try, like you couldn't have scripted that better. And just the emotion from the box, how much it meant to all of them. And, you know, having that extra special edge to it with Sir Michael Jones, who's obviously the chairman there. But also the likes of Sir B.G. Williams, who was up in the stands, mm. who obviously one of the, the greats of Samoan heritage of New Zealand and Samoan rugby. Um, you see him down there in the huddle after the game, delivering sort of a heartfelt speech here, and you can see how much it meant to him as well. So it's, just, it's fantastic for, the, for Super Rugby as a whole, fantastic for Moana Pacifica, and let's hope we see um, a few more results like that sort of tipping the ledger. Mm. Yeah, well, I think they've established credibility. I, I'm just kind of envisaging myself, Jeff. I saw those shots of... 
as you say, what, possibly around about 900 people there in total. Mm. Uh, what about 10,000? 10,000 uh, 10, there, um, oh. yeah, wouldn't it just <laughs> been uh, something special? It would have been, and and uh, and that's the feeling I got when I left the box with with uh, with Israel Dag. We sort of said, you know, imagine if this place was full. I mean, <laughs> it was such a it was I such know, an occasion sure. and a spectacle without a without a crowd. But uh, you know, it, had it been full, I think we also should should mention the uh, you know the coaching acumen of of uh, Aaron Major and and Philo Teater and what they've managed to put together here with I guess limited resources in some respects. You know. Uh, guys like Henry Timmy Stowers, he's been, been one of the leading loose forwards in the competition. He's been outstanding. So you balance that with the with the uh, the old head in some ways of Christian Liliafano. And I know we've talked about the, the challenges with the depth they've had, but they have recruited uh, quite tactically in that respect. Um, I will also, I'd like to mention the yellow card situation. Smithy, I'm not too sure what you thought about it uh, as well, Footy, but um, Levi Almour, uh, the head clash on Wes Hoosen. I know we're putting player safety, uh, you know, that is paramount front and centre. Um, but uh, afterwards, we were talking about that, Izzy and myself. I mean, um, it was a head clash. And then Aidan Morgan, on the other side of things, a tip tackle on uh, Willie Harvelli. And he's penalised. So uh, they were. That was something I certainly came away with thinking, you know, was was all fair and equal there. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stephen, that's an interesting point. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah. But referring aside, I mean, I think the challenge now for Moana Pacifica is to prove this wasn't a fluke. That that, that this wasn't just some one-off, um, one-off victory, um, one sort of glorious night um, in their history, and, and to kick on now and to really prove that they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, Jeff mentioned that the forward, the loose forwards were fantastic. I thought they had the upper hand all night over some pretty vaunted opposition. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think they can make some real noise in this competition if they can get some real consistency in selection. Um, I was a little bit sceptical of bringing Christian um, Lediofano back into the fold. Um, I know he's got that sort of senior leadership head, but it proved to be exactly what they needed. I've, I've always been a big fan of Lincoln McClutchy, but he can run a bit hot and cold. And I think um, with the makeup they have at the moment, you kind of really do need that cool, calm, composure and consistency mm-hmm. and senior leadership, I guess, at the same time. And, and I think him and, him and Sikorpe Kipu definitely provided that on, um, on the weekend. Well, Stephen, you touched on it. Uh, you touched on the Highlanders. Um, let's get into that. <laughs> 0-5. 0-5 and not looking pretty at all. It's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty. I think... It's a little bit deceptive. I know they have been in a lot of these games, and I think that's probably the frustrating thing for Tony Brown and his leadership group there. Um, you heard them, they, they, they fought back well in this game against the Blues. They were, they were in there towards the end. They kind of just lacked that sort of punch uh, to really sort of get over the finish line. But, uh, you know, they were there or thereabouts. Um, they looked a little bit more direct in the forwards. They've obviously been pretty ravaged by COVID. Um, some sort of key players like Ethan DeGroote and I think Marino Michele too, who's been missing as well. He's been a real linchpin of their pack. So I think once they can get a few more troops back on board, have some consistency with their selection, I know they've got a pretty nice little schedule to round out the rest of the competition. Once they go to Australia, they have to get past the Crusaders first. That probably won't happen, let's be honest. But I think they're, I think they're still going to be okay to clinch one of those, those playoff spots. I mean, you know, eight of the 12 teams make it in any case, so I don't think they'll have too much issue there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's looking up for, for the Highlanders. I, I think they can make a little run here for sure. So I think it's a little bit too early to, to, to start uh, sort of sending out the danger signs just yet. Okay, so, Jeff, is it too early for the engraver to, to put the big uh, C, and I mean Crusader C? Uh, on the trophy yet? Did you see? Did you see a champion side in the weekend? 
I saw a side, mate, that uh, thought, okay, you guys got one over us in Christchurch. We're going to show you what we're all about. And uh, you look at a player front and centre like uh, a Will Jordan, um, and, and, you know, they did that. Uh, they they came out and said, we're champions, um, and we're going to, you know, pick up our sixth title. Um, I think it was a wake-up call for the Chiefs as well in some ways. I mean, first game in Hamilton, getting a, a crowd in two, um, they've got a wee bit of work to do uh, around the breakdown and um, and how they can try and slow the pace of the Crusaders shifting the ball because that's the that's the thing that's going to hurt every single team in this competition. They score a lot of their their tries off first phase rugby, and um, when you've got the best player potentially in the world at the moment and Will Jordan uh, up in the line running all sorts of crazy lines, uh, it's it's just so hard uh, unless you're spot on. Uh, on the night, so uh, certainly a, a wake-up call. I know that the Chiefs didn't have ideal prep with uh, Warren Gatlin coming in, not not a bad person to step into uh, to the breach with, with Clayton McMillan and some of the rest of the staff uh, crook with COVID, but um, that's the nature of this competition at the moment. Chiefs, though, uh, a lot to like about the, the way they're playing at the moment, and, and, and again, you know, going forward, they're going to take a lot out of that win in Christchurch, but it certainly was a, a reminder um, against the wounded Crusaders side, you know, just how much they can hurt you when they come back. Okay, let's uh, change tack a, a little bit, uh, fella. Let's go to um, to UFC, for you in particular, Stephen. Kaikata, France. I watched the, the verdict for this fight. The Russian looked very, very disappointed. How did you see it? I thought it was going to be a very tight decision there. That third round could have gone either way. I think what the judges saw there was that Askarov, while he was sort of initiating some offense and he managed to get hold of Kai and force him into the clinch, which is obviously his world. He wasn't really forcing any effective offense off the back of that. And Kai was really, really effective with his takedown defense. And I think that was the story of the the fight for Kai. Just uh, it really reflects his sort of maturation as a fighter. He was super composed. Uh, The balance with his takedown defense, he he sort of prevented Askarov dragging the fight into his world, which is obviously the grappling game. You You saw in the first round there, he had to hold on for at least a couple of minutes fighting submission attempts. Fantastic effort, and that kind of opened the door disheartened Askarov a little bit and he was able to, to ensure the fight took place on the feet and standing where he had a massive advantage. He cashed that in to some extent. He probably thinks he perhaps he might have been a little bit more aggressive. He was probably very conscious of, of being taken down by the Russian. But um, to get past Askarov, he was a, an enormous underdog. I think he was paying as much as $3.50 um, coming into the fight. Uh, he was being ridden off fairly widely. Askarov is undefeated. He's got 12 first-round wins of, out of 15. Uh, many had him pegged to sort of be the next in this long line of, of Russians who are really starting to take over the sport. Um, but Kai, just incredible fortitude, composure. Um, it was awesome to hear the crowd behind him. You know, you can see that he's winning over fans. I think a large part of that was probably due to the fact that he was fighting a Russian for obvious reasons. Uh, but, hey, he got his hand raised. And this is a huge bit. And in, in, in the context of New Zealand combat sports history, this is... Stakes-wise, this is right up there. What he's done here is he's essentially locked himself in for a, for a flyweight world title fight. So th- this is a guy who's been on the cusp of the, of the title sort of circle for the last four years. He's had some fantastic fights. Ingrained himself as one of the fa- fan favorites. Really entertaining fighter. Um, always brings it. But the results really haven't gone his way. They've been up and down, put it that way. So well, what you really have to do in the sport is string together consistent wins and big-name scalps. And that's what he's done over the last couple of fights. He's, he's knocked up on uh, Roger Bontor in the first round, got a big win over Cody Garbrandt, who's a former UFC bantamweight champion, knocked him out in the first round, and now sort of upsetting the bookmakers here and really tipping, tipping the scales of the flyweight division with this win. So 
essentially, Davison Figueredo, who's the champion, has called him out. He said before the fight he wanted to fight Kai for the next uh, title defense. And now it looks like that's completely that's complete, that's going to be the case. Kai has this flyweight title shot locked in. The only thing now is that he's probably going to have to wait a little bit longer than he initially expected because we're going to have Davison Figueredo fight Brandon Moreno for a fourth time. And then I'd say Kai will be fighting whoever comes out of that bout um, for the chance to become New Zealand's second ever world champion. Mm, interesting. Uh, fellas, we're going to go to a news break um, very shortly uh, with uh, Ottawa. And then when we come back, uh, we can't avoid talking about the White Ferns demise, Jeff Tainch, uh, and Stephen Foot with us this morning. Yeah, Stephen, I know uh, worldwide you're into the digital side of things in terms of sport coverage, etc. Digitally, the numbers are astronomical for this Women's World Cup, particularly anything involving uh, anything around India too. Yeah, absolutely. You always get um, plenty of clicks from the, from the Indian side of the world. But um, yeah, just to build on what, what Jeff said, it, it was a disappointing campaign. But you know, I think overall it's a pretty big win for the women's game in New Zealand. It was great to see so many, um, you know, particularly young girls out in the stadiums watching these games and clearly invested in it. Um, you know, Bob Carter, a classic case of probably, you know, jumping before he was pushed. And I think they can look back at this tournament and, and at some pretty questionable selections. I think we didn't really cash in on the likes of Brooke Halliday. I think she should have been batting further up the order. She looks superb the entire tournament. I think we could have seen a little bit more Lee Kasparik in there. And I think we were a little bit bereft of ideas when it came down to the death bowling situations um, and crunch time situations. And I think a lot of that has to fall on Bob Carter's head. Um, but over, we missed, you know, it's always it's going to be massively disappointing, isn't it, to, to not take advantage of, of, of your home field, of your home ground, of, of playing of, of this Mm. rare occasion of being able to, to contest the World Cup on your, on your own soil. So, yeah, p- pretty sad from that perspective, but I think overall it's, it's a big win for the women's game in this country. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I keep hearing that from uh, the selectors and the, the former coach now that selection wasn't an issue. They had the right players, no problem with that. that. They had the game plan sorted out. Uh, they just couldn't execute it. So uh, we'll see uh, what the upshot of that is. Um, but what we can tell uh, everyone, and we know now, Stephen, of course, is that the Warriors are on the board on the points table. What did you make of that? Uh, you know, by virtue of having more points than the West Tigers, you know, they won that game. But let's uh, make no, no mistakes about it. No one was a winner coming out of that game. And, you know, it, in their NRL, the wins are wins. They're always hard for contests. You've got to get yourself on the board. But, you know, I think they did take a little bit of a backward step there against the Tigers. Um, and it would have been a real indictment on their form if, if they'd come our way with that one without a win. But they showed a little bit of grip down the end there to, to, to seal the victory. I think they made less mistakes, I guess you could say, to ensure they came away with the win. But still really concerning um, in terms of what's happening with the halves and the direction when it comes to the red zone. Um, I like to say, if I can make a, a really old-school WWF wrestling reference, there's a bit of Andre <laughs> the Giant to them. A bit of Andre the Giant to them. They have no finishing move. They've got nothing in the red zone. You know, the, the, our only attacking option is, is kicks. Um, we scored tries off that, but we didn't come close to, to scoring anything off set play. We're constantly dying with the football on fifth tackle situations. Even when we're on, we, even when we're in the attacking zone. And what's also disappointing is that a lot of our best players, whilst we don't have the depth of talent that a lot of these other squads do, a lot of our best players just aren't being consistent and have been pretty poor, to be honest. You know, look at Adam Fanor Blake. Um, on the weekend, and the likes of Chanel Harris-Tavita, who I mentioned before. But, you know, I th- as I said, a lot of it comes down to these inconsistent selections. We've had, 
you know, three different spine combinations in as many games and, um, you know, Sean Johnson and, and injuries as such. But, yeah, it's, it's not looking good. It's not looking promising for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not going to stop saying it's our year. I'm, I'm a long-suffering Warriors <laughs> fan myself. And I, I don't think you can, call, uh, you can say the word Warriors fan without putting long-suffering ahead of it anymore. But, yeah, it's, it's not looking great. I don't know how much of it is coaching. I don't know how much of it is mental. But there's still a side of me who is almost just writing off these seasons we were in Australia. And I just, I just wanted to get home now. And it's almost a case of just looking forward to, to 2024 because this team is clearly pretty mediocre and not top eight material. Jeff, are you fired up with the Black Caps against the Netherlands, or is it more just to say goodbye to Ross Taylor for you? <laughs> oh, you've always got to be there to watch that, to say goodbye uh, to, to a great player. But uh, oh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's good for cricket, seeing, uh, seeing the Dutch uh, involved against the Black Caps. And um, uh, it's, always, it's always good to uh, get a bit of limited overs cricket uh, on the international stage, whether, whoever you're playing. So, no, I'm certainly looking forward to it and, and, uh, and seeing a swan song, hopefully. Okay, fellas, it's been great chatting to you this morning. Uh, that was uh, Stephen Foote and Jeff McTainch with us uh, on the panel. We'll have another one at the same time tomorrow morning. It is uh, coming up to 10.40 here on SENZ. On SENZ. 10.45 here on SENZ. We'll be catching up with uh, Louis Herman Watt before uh, 11 o'clock on some... Uh, Thoroughbred issues, and of course uh, we'll have a quick visit to the TAB to see what's hot today, and you've got a chance to make a, a quid or two yourself. I had some texts come in uh, throughout the morning. Um, White Ferns campaign, a shambles, says Brad. I'm still baffled while the friend Jonas uh, over Lee Casperit's selection debacle. Jonas bowls six overs, gets a bit of a, t- a bit of tap, and we don't see her again. Casperit would have played a part in all of the group games. Surely if you aren't picking your best 15 players, you have no show in winning the thing, let alone making the semis. Well, uh, I think that's a very valid point that you made, and it's been talked about not just by myself on this show, but um, by people in the commentary boxes I've been working in saying, well, you know, where's the experience? You need it. If you pick a squad of 15, uh, all of those 15 players should, uh, at, I would imagine, be able to play a part in a World Cup if called upon. Uh, we got a girl in there, uh, Georgia Plummer, um, never met the girl. Uh, I think I've seen her from a distance at the ground, but never likely to ever play in the tournament. So uh, if that's the case, you're, you're really down to 14 in your squad. And then you pick Fran Jonas, and uh, didn't go well for her. Should was her, her selection in the first game, a must-win game against the West Indies. Was that um, a, a really good selection, or should, on the evidence of what we've seen, had Frankie Mackay and the team the whole way through? Because when it's come to the crunch, Frankie Mackay, has delivered on a regular basis and uh, with that vast experience in her cricket knowledge in a World Cup situation, uh, you might have thought that that was uh, perhaps a better selection. So there again, we, we've had a, a young girl, Fran Jonas, who admittedly could well be a part of New Zealand women's cricket future. Not ready at the moment. Uh, and there we were almost down to 13 in our squad. So we, we kept putting hurdles in our way in terms of having available resources. So a lot of uh, a lot of that uh, will be part of a review we're hearing about. Even uh, Sophie Devine said in her post-match uh, interview there will be an in-depth review, um, and uh, it has to start pretty quickly. Uh, it won't involve getting rid of the coach because he's gone. Of course, Bob Carter has gone back into high performance, whatever that means uh, within New Zealand cricket. Uh, and Mark has come in and a little bit of tongue in cheek. I would imagine all Bob Carter cared about was his golf handicap. I'm not sure about Bob. Carter's golfing abilities or how much golf he's actually played during this World Cup, if any, but 
Uh, I know he's, he cares about uh, his job. He cares about the cricket. He just couldn't get the right formula. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, here's a good one from JD. Um, I don't think it's John Day, but it's uh, JD. I don't think JD would be in Petoni at the weekend. Smithy just seen some film of the scenes in the horse and hound in Petoni when Rock and Horse won the new market. One of her owners is watching, was watching the race. Seems like everyone in the barred back to who said racing is only for the sheiks and the leaders of the industry. Priceless. Cheers, uh, says JD. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you got a winner. You, if you get a winner, it's um, <clears throat> it's important, particularly uh, if you know the owner, to get part of it as well. Uh, motor racing uh, over the weekend been busy for New Zealand people, of course. SVG saying Van Gisbergen has completed a. A clean sweep in the Tasmanian Super Sprint sent an ominous warning to the rest of Australian supercars field that he is out for a third title here in 2022. Red Bull Holden Ace became the first driver to win all three races at Simmons Plains in the weekend since Garth Tander did it way back 17 years ago, yeah, 2005. After winning race four earlier on Sunday, the Kiwi also took out a home maximum of 100 points, 105 points in race five, having set the fastest lap. So... It was Van Gisbergen's 58th career victory. 58 already means he's now just sits fourth behind Jamie Wincup on uh, 124, Craig Lowndes 110, and Mark Scaife with 90. So he's got a lot of ground to make up on uh, of those three, but certainly uh, SVG putting his name in lights in supercars again. And uh, I watched uh, Liam Lawson on um, <coughs> on the podium over the weekend in Saudi Arabia, but it wasn't to be in uh, the second race, the feature race of his Formula 2 competition. Um, the 21-year-old pulled to a stop at the exit of pit lane with his front left wheel not fully fitted. So it was just a horrible pit change there, which uh, cost them all the best. And the good news is, Logan, uh, in terms of punting over the weekend, uh, you guys, uh, with your Gold Star Butters, um, I think it's trained by Riley, Gold Star Butters, 50 on him, 210 for Women's Refuge. So that was a good result. Yeah, that was great. And just, I mean, how amazing is that name for a Greyhound Gold Star? But as we had our eyes on that as soon as it came out. Uh, and that now puts the morning show on the board, Smithy. Of course, we're raising funds for the great... Uh, organisation that is Women's Refuge uh, Breakfast uh, Raising Funds for Child Cancer Foundation They're on 132 Afternoon Still looking to get off the mark for BBM And the run home uh, Supporting November there Two two ninety. So we're second We're doing great things there uh, It's awesome to help out charity there Join us each week As we try to raise funds for our four charities All thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand Cool, okay We'll do that uh, We've got to talk to Louis before uh, 11 uh, and uh, go to the TAB, but of course also after 11 o'clock it's uh, review time of a very busy NRL weekend and that'll be with Vossi, our friend from SCN in Australia. Hold, you know, jug a beer on the table and get stuck in, mate. Sleeves up. This is outstanding stuff. And you're right, because in race two, White Noise is taking money for uh, Andrew Forsman and Murray Baker. This is the, the farewell tour for Murray Baker. And don't think he doesn't have a group race in Australia up his sleeve. He's, he's got it all figured out, old Murray. I'm certain of it. Um, White North Noise could be that in the Group 2 Tullock Stakes today. It gets shifted from the 2,000 metres to the 1850. And I've asked uh, co-trainer Andrew Forsman. He said that suits the horse nicely from Barrier 6. Regal line, a bit tough from that wide draw. But White Noise right in the market is an each-way chance. And then the chosen one in the Group 1 Tankerin. Well, again... He is going to absolutely love this 2400 metre trip. A bit better footing for him. He doesn't love the bottomless track. 
So the fact that he's coming from 14 or $15 to $11 this morning is not a surprise, mate. He's a great each-way bet. And the Bakers have snuck one in there too, I see, and she's ideal down the bottom. Uh, Rachel King on board for Bjorn. Yeah, no, she's ideal. Super, super, super mare as well. Um, look, you wouldn't be surprised to see Bjorn pop up on a big day like this. It could be a real Baker day. Uh, look, the, the one to be certainly is the bottom of the book, though, the mare Duas. Uh, she was so good in the Australian Cup, and she's bet think it over. She's bet these horses up, and there's no reason that she shouldn't be winning. $2.70 is getting skinny enough, though. Um, I know you like a little bit of meat on the bone, so Patri- uh, you know if you you look at it, yeah, looking at this through a Kiwi lens, you can do a lot worse than having an each way ticket on the chosen one, Smithy. Good on you, Louis. Uh, enjoy Group One Monday, uh, wherever whichever bar you actually venture into. I won't even question you on that. So I'll go straight across to the TAB, and Paul Mawati is waiting for us there, Paul. So a lot of interest in racing today. Uh, there's a little bit of golf being finished off as well. Uh, what else is on the agenda? Uh, well, because it's a Group 1 to Newcastle because of what happened on the weekend, uh, we've decided to do a bonus back promotion on all seven races from Newcastle today. So wow. first race starts at 4.15, uh, the last race uh, 7.55. So all seven races from Newcastle are bonus back races. That includes the Group 1 Tancred Stakes and the Group 1 Vinery as well. So uh, plenty of good racing from across the ditch today, as you said. A bit of golf on at the moment. Scotty Scheffler and Kevin Kisner currently battling it out for the WGC match play title. Uh, you can bet live with us at the moment. I believe last time I looked, Scotty Scheffler was three up through 12. Mm. Uh, if you want to bet on the 15th hole, Scotty Scheffler is 320 to win the 15th hole. Kevin Kisner is 350. And uh, the tie is at $1.83. A lot of interest in this match play uh, all weekend. And Scottish left uh, Scheffler looking to go one better than he did last time. Yep. Okay. Thanks very much, uh, Paul Mawadi there from the TAB. We'll get a market too in the Women's World Cup from later in the week because I'd imagine Australia are pretty damn warm to win that. Uh, who uh, else can you make some money off in, the, in that Women's World Cup? We'll catch up with the TAB again tomorrow morning around the same time. So uh, it's coming up to uh, 11 o'clock, of course, which is news time. Uh, and then we'll talk to uh, Andrew Voss. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, on this side of the Tasman, 11.03, slightly earlier, of course, uh, where Vossi is. Andrew Voss is on the other side as we uh, join with our mate from Australia to talk about NRL happenings for the weekend. Uh, Vossi, we're absolutely rampant here. We're thinking about having a national holiday today because uh, the Warriors got a win, mate. We're yeah, thinking about having a day tickets. off. Yeah, get in the queue. Uh, get your grand final tickets. Roll up, roll up. Wow, talk about ugly wins. Um, I'll just search Wikipedia <laughs> right now for definition of ugly win. It may well be Warriors v Tigers. I mean, Seriously, I, I said the week before the Tigers would not have beaten anyone anywhere in their loss against Newcastle. Could they get worse? I think they did against the Warriors. The last 10 minutes would be some of the dumbest football I've seen from an NRL side. And I, I say that without apology. I'm hoping for their sake it is the bottom of the barrel. But, you know, the classic example of a side with no confidence at all. Like, need a break to go their way, can't catch one. But self-inflicted wounds as well. And for the Warriors, well, you take it, don't you? Because come August, September, 
that two points the Warriors picked up is worth the same as what Parramatta got for you know beating Melbourne in Golden Point. It makes no difference how you get them. You, you bank it, you put it in the bank, you learn from it, you go from there. So there'd be more of a spring in the step at Warriors training today than there would be at the Tigers. Well, they have um, the, the worrying thing, though. There were some players out, to be fair, so that's always going to test their depth. You don't want that early in the season, but... Uh, to, to be honest, um, is there a light? Is, is there a light, or are we just going to have a clutching at straws, straws type season for you, mate? Well, well, I, well, I've seen enough, but I haven't seen you know forty good minutes yet, and that's where we need to start from, and then we'll work, we'll work on getting to the eighty. So, yeah, yeah. there's there's definitely um, we'll put it this way: there's more potential in the Warriors side than there is in the Tigers. Um, you know, based around good forward pack. Um, you know, decent selection of halves, although it's been very chop change because of circumstances so far. And there's enough points potentially in the back line. And I thought Reese Walsh was a, a shining light in the game on Friday night and that try saving tackle before half time, very good as well. So, you know, there, there, there's, there's promise there. But I don't, I hope we're not having this same conversation in five, six weeks' time. You know, you can't. You can't go two and six or something like that and then start, you know, get yourself in mathematical contention again because Warriors fans are sick of hearing that. They want to be thereabouts for the entire season. So one win has to become two um, next week. Right, let's get on to uh, the, the positives. Not that I'm saying a Warriors win isn't positive. What I'm saying is a, in terms of the quality of the rugby league and Panthers, the Panthers are playing plenty of that quality mm. stuff. Cleary's men um, are looking pretty good, uh, even at this early stage, yeah? Oh, yeah. Look, well, they've played the first three rounds without the star man, without the number one man, Nathan Cleary, and they're the only unbeaten team. And it's not like they had an easy draw, is it? You know, that, even into round three, pre-season, you thought, well, OK, Newcastle game, that's, we should get that. But Newcastle went into the game with um, two from two. Now, there were circumstances there. The send-off of Mitch Barnett, obviously, a, a, you know, an enormous turning point in the game, and Newcastle remained competitive even with 12. But Penrith... You know, the reflection of the strong culture is there. And we saw it right from round one. Players out, but it's not about who's out, it's about who's in. And when you make that you know, transition, then straight away, you eliminate any thought in the back of your head that I have an excuse because we've got five out today. Penrith don't think like that anymore. They think like winners. And, you know, they throw Taylor May in the, on the wing for Brian Tyre. What does Taylor May do? He gets three tries. Isaac Tago has stepped up. Centre was a position that Penrith looked a little thin on this year with the so many players going and you know, Kurt Capel had been a fill-in and Paul Momorowski went from the grand final side, Brent Naden's moved on, Isaac Tago steps up, bang, looks every bit of first grader. So they've created a really strong culture, Penrith, that if you're wearing a jersey in first grade, you, you are there on merit and, and you have a job to do and there's no excuses. So Penrith three from three, couldn't be more impressed. Rabbitohs 28, Roosters 16. Poor start for the Roosters. Yes, it is. I am scratching my head about the Roosters. Um, yeah, I called them the first game uh, against Newcastle and came away that day thinking, eh, is, it one, is, it, is it just a one-off performance or are they suddenly got old, old overnight, some of their players? You know, that, that's what you're left with. Then they bounce back round two against Manly, but Manly were pretty poor. And now you get to round three, and I thought the Roosters were worse in round three than they were in round one. So... Yeah, there's definitely something to be addressed there. And for South Sydney, who hadn't put in any more than, say, 30 minutes of football this season, really, it just reminded us how dangerous they could be. If Mitchell at fullback, if Cody Walker at 5'8", and Damian Cook at hooker play well, their attack is potentially one of the best in the competition around those three players. So, you know, there's your fullback, 
5'8", hooker, and the young halfback then went along for the ride. Lachlan Ilias had his best game in first grade as a result with all that sort of star potential hitting their peak. So South Sydney, nice reminder from them. Could have been 0-3 and three had they lost on the weekend. Instead, they're, they're 1-2 and two and, and looked like the side that played, you know, grand final last year. Let's look at um, some Kiwi interest uh, outside of the Warriors, Warriors and Jeremiah Nanai, uh, a hat-trick for the Cowboys, 38-12 uh, over the Broncos. Gosh, it looks a, a bit gloomy up there in Bronco land, doesn't it? Well, the, the alarm bell ringing on the, the points conceded. We thought the first two rounds, you know, big improvement. Just a couple of tries conceded, but then to go back to getting over 30 put on you and at home and in front of 40,000, not a good day. But I would rather, you're right, Smithy, I would rather talk up the positives of the Cowboys and, and some individuals. Mm. And Nanai is right up there. Seventh game of first grade. What I have observed with him is just good things happen around him. Things happen around him. And even with the most basic carry, he gets the ball. He's a beautiful mover. He can step off his right just as he receives the ball. He's a really hard target to defend against. You can see that. He's got a bit of an aura about it. I think he's got a bit of swag about it. He looks like he, he feels like he belongs there, even though he's only 19. And then the catching of the bombs and that, that's just an extra string to his bow. Now, after the game, the good news was we put it on him. Um, you know, you, got, you could play for multiple countries here. But he said, no, I definitely want to honour where I come from. And my parents are both uh, Samoan background. So does that mean Samoa get the bite ahead of uh, New Zealand? Um, we, we, we will wait and see. He didn't sort of rule out, he sort of got a bit of a desire also to represent Queensland, but certainly put international football first. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? No, I don't think we are. I think this kid is the absolute real deal. He's going to be on the scene for more than the next 10 years. That's how good I think he is. Oh, great. That's great raps coming from you, mate. I appreciate that. I'm evil too. So uh, let's, uh, let's look. I, I, I'm, I'll confess, I'm on Facebook, and somehow mm. I get the vision of the dressing room of the Canberra Raiders. So someone puts it through there, and I watch it. And generally, it's on when the, it's good news, and they start doing the singing and the dancing, as they do as part of their winning routine. I'm yep. not sure it would have looked that good at halftime, though, Ooh, to be fair. No, well, the, the, the Canberra players said that Ricky Stewart um, was, was fairly calm. Um, now, a wise old coach once told me that the key to coaching is you don't say what you want to say. You've got to tell the players what they need to hear. In other words, you don't vent your spleen like, that was horrible, that was awful. No, you've got to go in there with the attitude almost dismissive of that, this is how we're going to get out of, get ourselves out of it. And quite obviously, that's the tack that Ricky took here because he could have torn, strip, uh, you know, torn strips off his side at halftime. Um, that one try, the first points they got just before halftime proved a pivotal moment. But second half, there was energy. They were pushing up, you know, they... They didn't try to win it in the first five minutes, but they just accumulated effort on effort on effort, good sets. And if it was going to take to the 80th minute to win the game, well, so be it. And it was in the last, yeah, the dying minutes of play that Charles Nickel Klukstar scores that try. And then uh, the young halfback Schneider steps up to kick the conversion. It wasn't a gimme. So there's a bit of pressure on there. And that is, yeah, that could be a season defining win. You look at Canberra Smithy, that could have been zero and three. I mean, they got up at the death against mm. Cronulla. They were well beaten by the Cowboys round two and then could have lost that down 22-0. Yeah, it could be a 0-3 and three start of the season. Instead, they're 2-1. I mean, that's character building and puts them in a good, good position um, to launch into, you know, round four and beyond. Narrow win for Manly uh, over the Bulldogs. 
ugly. <laughs> another ugly win. Well, <laughs> weather turned as well. But look, again, another side that was staring down the barrel of zero and three. So you just take it. And at the end of the season, who's counting how they won those two points? It's worth the same as... Manly will play better in defeat, probably in matches this year, than they did last night. Canterbury, I still have question marks, Smithy. I've got to say, on their attack, obviously they're working on it. But I think they're, you know, they're, they're well off where, where they would want to be in terms of threatening other sides. They, you know, they don't look like a side that's going to blow a team off the park. You've got Matt Burton's kicking boot, which is just the best in the comp when he puts it up in the air. You know, Addo Carr is without a try through, you know, the first three rounds. That's sort of a reflection of that. There's not sweeping movements, you know, confident sets, but, you know, they're working on it. They're definitely more competitive than they were last year. There's been improvement in the Bulldogs. There's no doubt about that, but they're going to just have to be a little patient. Okay, I'm going to use another word beginning with you, and it's not ugly. I'm going to use the word unusual. Um, and perhaps other adjectives as well to describe the finish to the Eels and the Storm. Yeah. Talk us through this, please. Yeah, it's a, a quite incredible that um, the, the player Ray Stone, you know, he's workmanlike, the club loves him, he's the hardest trainer, does all the extras, but he doesn't get the headlines. So the other night, uh, it wasn't put out by a paper, but someone I did see on social media put out the headline, Melbourne stormed. Uh, Melbourne storm stoned on a Saturday night, and you think, "Oh, there's a clickbait headline." What he was players stoned? <laughs> no, it was about Ray Stone. Now, Ray Stone scoring two tries. I'll give you a million to one. <laughs> I'll give you odds of a yeah. million to one going into the game. Um, he's had to just cover positions the other night with you know problems in the centres, and the last play in Golden Point. You go back and watch it, and it, it's just natural reaction when a field goal attempt is taken. Time freezes. Everyone stops. There's one player pushing up. It's Ray Stone. You know, just in case something happens. And it did. That just in case was the ball off the post. And Ray Stone's the only bloke there to take it. Now, that's great play. You know, that, that, that's a reflection of how hard he must train. He's just into everything. And he gets the two drives. Tragically, though, that could be his last game he's played for the club. They do fear that in stepping to score that try over the line, he has done serious damage to his knee. What a, what a bitter, sweet moment then to score the first try double of your career. It's a match winner in Golden Point. It's incredible circumstances, and you do your knee because he's already signed with the Dolphins for next year. But I just about give him my player of the round race, Stone, for what, for what he did, what he produced. It was quite incredible. It is, but I mean, if you're a defensive coach, do you not school your players up to look at the uprights just in case there's a rebound? Yeah, well, possibly, but I think of moments through time, even going back to the famous 97 grand final, Matty Johns hits the, hits the upright with a field goal attempt that would have rewritten history. There'd be no Andrew Johns going the short side to Darren Albert moment. Matthew Johns hit the post, and Bill Peden's the player, who's very much a Ray Stone-type player, sprinted through, almost got it for the Knights all the way back in 97. I just think of field goal moments, most times you turn around and watch, even if you're defence. I'm not going to burn defensive sides for having that natural reaction. I'd rather go the other way and praise the bloke who kept on going, Ray Stone. And Ray Price, wasn't it, all those years ago, would turn around and have the praying mantis stance, waiting for the ball to come off the post. Not once did it come off the post for Pricey, but it did for Ray Stone the other night, and he won the lottery. Mm. Okay, what have we got? Um, what, are you, what are you calling this week, and what are you looking forward to? Uh, well, look, to be honest, Thursday night becomes intriguing. Be, and, and, you know, it's probably game number eight as far as interest is concerned uh, from from a competition table perspective. It's the Titans v Tigers to get off the round. But I don't know whether there's a team feeling more heat in the history of the game after three rounds than the Tigers right at the moment. I mean, 
They get bad press after bad press. Now they've got an injury toll as well. Geez, what have they got to show on Thursday night? What if they got touched up? I mean, they remain the news. They've just got to find a win. So I'm looking for a reaction. But Friday night, we do have the grand final rematch in round number four. Penrith v South. Great to have South City finding form last week in getting ready for this match. And Ivan Cleary confirmed Nathan Cleary will be back. So, you know, Friday night is is huge on the competition table and grand final rematch, heavyweight showdown. But I'm, I'm just intrigued with how the round kicks off on Thursday night. I want to see what the Tigers have got. And, and maybe it's a bit of sort of car crash analogy. You know, you, you, you watch it, you drive past and you look at it. But I hope the Tigers, for their sake, come out of it somehow. Bossy, well, outside of the league side of things, of course, you cover all forms of sport on your show with Brandy in the morning. So... Uh, the women's cricket team march on. Um, they have been outstanding. I've never seen a, a more complete World Cup squad. Uh, they're odds on. I mean, okay, we're down to on the day now as opposed to trying to qualify for things, but they do look a shot's eye. Yeah, and, and probably they look back at the match against Bangladesh and say, well, we probably needed that. You know, they just tested out a little more rather than, a, than an easy march to victory. So that sort of, you'd have to think, would sharpen them up now for the semi finals. Just a little, you know, check there. Um, and now take on the West Indies, obviously massive favourites. Um, yeah, it's got so many individuals that, that that can win a match for them. So, you know, from you know Meg Lenning and Ash Gardner and others, I mean, there's just individuals who can win for them. So, yeah, enjoy it. Um, I hope they make the final. They certainly deserve, at the very least, to make the final, don't they? It'd be a massive shock if they make the final. Yeah. And good luck to, to England or South Africa in, in taking them on. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And meanwhile, in, in Pakistan, uh, this is a good result because uh, you've uh, you've got a, a, what a an interim coach, I suppose we call him, an Andrew McDonald. Now, if you're going to go to Pakistan yep. and beat Pakistan in Pakistan, if you ever need to do something uh, to to get a job full time, he's taken a big step. This fellow, we don't know too much about him. Well, thank heavens we got a result because uh, I think Smithy, were you aware? So, in three match test series in the last century, there had only been four series where a three-match series ended up draw, draw, draw. So we're looking at a pretty rare mm. event. And, and for a long part of the last day, that was appearing likely. But um, Australia got the job done, whether the coach has had an influence on it or he, just his presence. Tactically, they've worked something out. Nathan Lyon took five wickets. Pat Cummins, seriously, was outstanding right through the series. Did he have an actual bad over in the series? Like, he, no. it'll be a modest wicket return, and he did get a five from the first innings, but... You know, he he bowled just uh, just toiled so manfully through that series, and as captain, um, he, he'll um, you know that's a that's a huge um, a huge notch in the belt as a rookie captain for for trying things, and he did that. And the declaration, you know, some said, well, geez, given them a sporting chance to win, you know, he didn't put the match out of reach of Pakistan. So well done, Pat Cummins. Australia get a series win and. So they should celebrate. Um, you know, we, we hadn't been to Pakistan since 1998. It's a long time. And to come away with a series win, be it 1-0, was uh, fantastic. And the last week, see two stumps knocked out of the ground, Smithy. I love that. That was great. That was skittling <laughs> yeah, the number 11. It. Beautiful. Uh, actually, yeah, I mean, the side is so good. That, that thing that gets me. I mean, Josh Hayeswood not even required for most yeah. of the season. Um, True. And he's, you know, and he's ready and, and willing. So, uh, and, and I, I go back to... Um, Give me the name of the guy that uh, knocked over the palms. I've, I've almost forgotten him already. The, your famous Victorian that came in and, and on five minutes' notice uh, knocked over England in the ashes, and it hasn't yeah. been hardly sighted since. I mean, the depth yeah. is just 
We're jealous, man. We're jealous. Scotty Boland, yeah. Yeah, It's okay, Smithy. We'll we'll, we'll let you win something. Um, Something along the way, we'll let you win. I can't think of something right offhand. You'll you'll win something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Yeah, you best ever Winter Olympics, didn't you? You're still, wouldn't you be still basking in the glory of the Winter Olympics? We are. Absolutely right. We've uh, We've got you guys absolutely stuffed when it comes to melon grabbing. And back stomping. So look out. We've got nice. you there. Um, we'll, ca- we'll catch you next. We'll work on that and we'll catch you next Monday, mate. Thank you very much for your time. You're good, man. Uh, celebrate too. Like warriors, winning's better than losing. That's my last uh, word or yep. last bit of wisdom for the day. Winning sure beats losing. Enjoy it. Um, 30, 35 minutes away to go out for lunch to celebrate. There you go. Good on you, man. Yeah, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Andrew Voss there from uh, SEN. Uh, in Australia, of course, uh, our brother who is one of the great uh, sport callers, actually. His, uh, his league calling is second to none. He's just brilliant. Uh, 11.21 here on SENZ. So send some more texts in, please. If you can, double eight, double three. We'd love to discuss them with you. Um, uh, the White Ferns, uh, not too good, no. Uh, Moana Pacifica, unbelievable. Did you ever think that the, uh, the Moana Pacifica this early in the competition would have a win. Not only a win, a golden point win. Just superb. Um, and here's another thing. What are you looking forward to as a fan uh, going, uh, being allowed to go and watch now? What, what's high on your agenda when it comes to being a sports fan? What is uh, your first priority? Is it a super rugby game? Is it a women's cricket game? Is it? Um, uh, and, and, you know, the prospect of some of our franchises being allowed to play back at home. How good is that? So double eight, double three, all those issues. You can even give us a call if you like. 0800 150 Eight eleven, and don't forget at eleven thirty, uh, we'll be playing Stump Smithy for some bickies for you. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Martin from Taranaki's coming and said, "Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to getting to uh, to Wellington to see the Knicks. Uh, he's going to make the drive down on both occasions next month, fizzing to see both games, and they're playing a uh, pretty good done, uh, good." Uh, style of football as well, the Phoenix, so uh, they're probably our shining light when it, uh, it comes to uh, people from uh, our franchises overseas, so uh, we'll look forward to, to those as well, and uh, Logan, you were saying the Warriors are due back when and against who? Uh, yeah, just quickly there on the Wellington Phoenix, uh, April 17th at Sky Stadium in Wellington, and then the 24th of April back in Eden Park, uh, so both Auckland and Wellington get their turn, which is going to be amazing. It'd be great to finally see the Knicks uh, back home. But in terms of the Warriors, July 3rd is the one that we've got circled on the calendar here when they play the West Tigers. Okay, um, that's interesting uh, in itself, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, yeah, the two Women's uh, World Cup semi-finals have now been decided, so on Wednesday, it's a day game at the Basin Reserve. Australia will play the West Indies. Now, they played the West Indies there uh, also in the round-robin phase and took them apart. They absolutely blitzed the West Indies. They, they had them three for 20 very early on in the piece, and they never really recovered from that. So uh, I would be thinking that that's uh, pretty, pretty much a heavily favoured one for Australia to win. The other one, not so sure. Uh, the other one will be a day-night game, and that will be in Christchurch on Thursday. Uh, between South Africa, who are playing well, there's no doubt about it, and England, who are also starting to play well too. So uh, India knocked out last night. That shocked the cricketing world a wee bit, but uh, England against South Africa, I'm not quite sure who would have the advantage. It's a new pitch down there. Uh, It won't spin too much. 
So I don't see any great advantage to the slow bowlers there. Probably that's the side that bats the, the, the best uh, throughout the match will probably get up uh, on winning that. Greg said Bob Carter uh, coming in and uh, heading back to high performance role with New Zealand cricket. Well, haven't got to um, the real meat and drink of that one, Greg, but what I do understand is uh, this was always a temporary contract for him coaching uh, the White Ferns, so he was gone win-lose or draw in this competition. He was out and going back to a role that's been sitting waiting for him uh, at uh, the high-performance side of things at New Zealand Cricket. Mm, it is interesting. Uh, it really is that, uh, you know, you just... Uh, miss out on one, but you have another one waiting for you behind the scenes in the same organisation. It, it, it's quite staggering. In terms of who might coach, we don't know yet. Um, we don't even know what kind of candidates they're looking for. I, I did notice, and I know there's always a push for women head coaches and women's sport, but there's only one woman head coach in the whole of the Cricket World Cup. Lisa Kitely, a former Australian uh, test player and very good cricketer in her own right, opening, opening batter. Uh, as the coach of the England team. So uh, we've got a, a team coached by a woman into the last four, but only head coach in the Women's World Cup uh, of, uh, for a woman is Lisa Kitely, an Aussie, coaching England, ironically. So there you go. Um, uh, is there a woman qualified to coach uh, the White Ferns? We shall see very shortly. Are you qualified to answer three questions and win some sleep drops and some uh, vouchers from the TAB? We'll see now. Dial 0800-150-811 and see if you can come up with three good answers. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right. It is time for Stumped, and it's great to have uh, Ian Smith back behind the wickets if just for a day. Doing an amazing job commentating on the cricket, Women's Cricket World Cup, by the way, Smithy. Uh, everyone else, they've been keeping those gloves warm for you, mate, but no one stumps like Smithy does. And up for grabs today is $50 worth of TAB bonus bets plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only speci- specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us now, the crease from my hometown is Craig from... Tom Tauranga, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, really good. You uh, are you going to get along to Black Hats v Netherlands at the Bay Oval there? Uh, not sure, probably not. I think I'm working. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. All right. So for any new listeners here, this is how the game works. We have three sporting categories to choose from today. Answer all three questions correctly, then you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot tomorrow. Okay, Craig, today's topics are soccer, football, ice hockey, and cricket. Take your pick. Soccer, football. All right, let's go. Have you been following the uh, All-Whites and their qualifiers there, Craig? Yeah, a little bit. Um didn't actually, I, I was sleeping this morning, so they played, I think, this morning, but I haven't heard the result yet. So. They did. 1-0 against Tahiti, so they're through to the final there uh, with their qualifier. First question for you, Craig. This is about the. This is a bit of a Wellington Phoenix special, actually. Pretty excited to have them coming back home next month. They entered the A-League in the 07-08 season. What position did they finish on the ladder? Uh... One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Smithy. Eight. Ha! 
Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. First words for well the done, cannon Well done. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, mate. Sorry about that. Was a guess. That Absolutely done by great guess, Smithy. Great guess. Uh, but on the line, second up, Richie from Upper Hutt. Come in, mate. G'day. All right, let's get into the, the second question here. Our Phoenix special on soccer football. Sticking with that inaugural season, what was the result of their first A-League match? Win, lose, or draw? Draw. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. You didn't sound too confident there, but yes, it was a draw. 2-2 against Melbourne Victory all the way back in August 26th. No, that was a guess. That was a guess. 2007. Smithy, yeah. how are you on your Phoenix knowledge? No, no, I wouldn't have gotten that. I would have probably said they had a win, a, a fairy tale start. So, uh, no, I would not have got that. So, uh, well done, Richie. Keep going, man. You'll, you'll get the money. I'm confident for you. <laughs> All right, it's all it's all on you, Richie. Of course, uh, in that uh, season, they won five games, drew five, and lost eleven. So, doing much better these days. Final question for you, Richie. Roy Krishna scored the most goals in a season for the Phoenix during the 2018-19 season. How many goals did the Fijian striker rack up in that campaign? Richie. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying any of our guys have been absolutely prolific in this. I'm, I'm going to go 11. There you go. One of the worst things I have ever nah. seen done on a cricket field. <laughs> uh, it was actually 19, and Roy also does hold the wow. franchise. Uh, record as the goal scorer with 51. Uh, I well, <laughs> I got a little story about uh, Roy Krishna, actually. Uh, I was over in Fiji a few years ago, and my father-in-law saw him in, at an airport. I think he got a little bit starstruck. He's a bit of a football fan, and uh, he asked for an autograph and used his boarding pass. So there you go, Roy Krishna, great guy. Uh, Richie, you don't get the sleep drops, but hold the line, and we'll give you that $50 to your TAB account. Nice, sweet ass, thank you. Good on you, Richie. Have a great day, mate, and thanks very much. Uh, continue to be a friend of the show. We uh, appreciate your support. Uh, 11.37 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be marching towards midday where we'll catch up with Mark Stafford, and we might have a little chat about the NBA as well on the way. Well, follow SENZ Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you send us a DM with the words, The Race, The Race, for the chance to win 0.5% share of Self-Assured. Now, Self-Assured is in the race at Cambridge Raceway on April the 14th for some very big money. And one lucky winner with us will walk away with 0.5% of the winnings from the race. So keep an eye on that. And it is not far away, just over a fortnight, in fact. Uh, right, time per to read out a couple of texts here. Great win by Moana Pacifica Smithy. I wonder how loyal some of them may be to the team. I'd imagine there will be offers from other teams. Young lock Alex McRobbie was impressive in the second half. Showed a lot of pace to be in support of the winning try scorer, which Danny Moana, of course. Uh, and uh, sprinting from halfway and cleaning up, and Danny Toala, uh, sprinting from halfway and cleaned up in the lineouts. Uh, so that's from Richard here. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of standout performances. It was just the absolute occasion. And the fact that it's come a lot sooner than I think a lot of people thought, even thought 
30, 40, 50 point hidings while they look to get set, test the depth of their squad, etc. Um, and of course, with all the COVID and stuff they've had, all the hiccups they've had along the way, the fact that they haven't uh, been able to play in front of their crowd, they got a smattering there on uh, the other night, but they'll get a massive crowd next time round when they play at home. They've got a double header, of course, this week, which will be huge. Uh, Stephen from Christchurch is coming on the women's cricket as good as the Oz women are. I think South Africa can take them. Uh, the only other team that batters deep in their quicker bowlers make them look uncomfortable last time they met. They did at the Basin, that's true. They met when they started bowling short at them. You're, you're dead right. They did cause a little bit of uncertainty. Um, and if they'd held their catches, I don't think South Africa going to win that game, but they could have gone uh, a good deal closer. Now, it's very sad over the, the weekend, of course, um, the passing of Kenny McFadden. Of course, Kenny McFadden, anyone knows about anything about basketball in this country, knows that he was a superstar. Uh, when he was playing for Exchequer Saints, etc. He was just an absolute genius with the basketball in his hands. But not only that, he's a hell of a popular guy. So, Logan, it was um, quite somber to hear of his passing. Yeah, it was really sad. We got that news on uh, Friday morning. We came into the building and, you know, as we do, we said, oh, how are we going to cover this? And it's it's always hard because you're reaching out to people that are close to him. And, you know, we reached out to Casey Frank and, you know, he was really kind enough to uh, give us some of his time. But the whole time you could hear in his voice that he was feeling pretty uh, gutted about the whole thing. So I reached out to him just in a text. I was like, mate, I know these kind of things are really hard, but, you know, uh, our thoughts are with you and, you know, really appreciate your time. So love guys like Casey. Uh, Kenny McFadden, just an absolute icon uh in basketball in New Zealand. You know, I watched some highlights of him playing uh, for the Wellington Saints back in the late 80s. And, man, it just things have come a long way. But he really ushered in that era of professional basketball. Okay. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, and, uh, and not only um, that, also uh, the fact that Stephen Adams was referring to him, not just as a coach, as a mentor, but a father figure. Uh, so that's how close he was and how instrumental he was for Stephen Adams when, of course, he was uh, coming out of secondary school wondering what direction to head in, and Kenny McFadden had certainly pointed him in the right direction there. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephen Adams uh, has been playing great guns for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, playing for for his old mentor there over the weekend. He's actually set a new franchise record, Smithy, for the Grizzlies uh, with just a few games to spare in the NBA season, single season record for offensive rebounding. He's actually the first NBA, NBA player in 22 years to hold this record with two franchises, the Grizzlies and the Thunder. The last person to do that was the great Shaquille O'Neal. Of course, over in America, they love Big Steve. They love Big Steve. So I just wanted to play a little bit of a presser here that they did over the weekend after he broke that record. Steven, you set the franchise record for offensive rebounds in a season, Jess. Um, what does that mean to you and Jess? You know, how would you describe the season you've had, you know, on the offensive boards? Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh prefer not to get as many because it means that we're missing too many bloody shots, mate. You know? But, uh, yeah, it's pretty good stuff, mate. Feels good. Um, Steven, so uh, you're putting up career-high assist numbers. You had five tonight, just... Well, what's been just the, the biggest thing in your um, this uh, career year as far as the passers? Is just having the ball in your hands more? Is it just seeing stuff differently? Like, what, what's gone into that? Yeah, typically, bro. So, like, um, I mean, the change, the shift you'll see in, like, the NBA in general <clears throat> is, like, um, most teams are going towards, like, more handoffs and stuff like this. Uh, pick and rolls are still very much a thing, but, like, you'll see the bigs have the 
ball in their hands a lot more for handoffs and stuff like this, just because it gives a different look for the pick and roll coverages. So I think it's like a bit more of that, and then we play like split actions and whatnot. You see that a bit more around the league um, than back in the day. You know what I mean? So like my OKC days, it wasn't a thing. It was only like me and Russ pick and roll type thing or KD or whatever, right? So yeah, mate, it's good. It's also good because they're bloody hitting some shots, I guess, huh? When you give them the ball, that helps. Pretty much have the same expression at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. How can we tell when you're having a good time on the court? We see Jod dancing and people dunking. You had the same expression beginning and end. How do we know Shit, when you're... Do I? That's not good, <laughs> mate. You're going to make me self-conscious. <laughs> I just love how brutally honest uh, Stephen Adams is. He, he gets hit up about you know the amount of assists he's racking up. You can hear him in the background being like, oh, oh i got to look that up. But no, nah, I mean, Steve is having an awesome season with the Memphis Grizzlies. He's got that 334 rebounds uh, with that record there with the Grizzlies. And back to the Thunder Smithy, uh, he broke that record in the 2018-19 season with 391. But of course, as he said, it's not a great stat to have because it means you guys are missing their shots. Yeah, he's a card case. I mean, he's, he's so different. The, the good old Kiwi humour, which is probably accidental, really. I don't think he gets in those press conferences to, to, to make them funny, but they're, they're intrigued by just the way he is so brutally honest. There's nothing bells and whistles about Stephen Adams, is there? I mean, and he's pretty much been the same since, since day one uh, in, in that regard. So, yeah, and he owes a lot of, of that, that style that he's got and that, that person, persona that he's got to, uh, to Kenny McFadden. So, uh, yeah, very... Very sad indeed. So, uh, yeah, we pay uh, our respects to Kenny McFadden and uh, all those close to him and that. I, I can give you an update uh, on the golf as well. We were watching the WGC Ad- Adventure match play and Scott Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler easily knocked over Kevin Kistner in the end. He beat him four and three, so no problem at all for him. And in the playoff for third and fourth, uh, Corey Connors from Canada knocked over DJ Dustin Johnson as well. So... Uh, they are the two big winners uh, when it comes to uh, the AGC Accenture match play. Um, and in terms of uh, the All-Whites, yeah, I just confirm that the All-Whites, that decider against the Solomon Islands, will be on Thursday after they uh, won this morning 1-0. So Solomon Islands getting up 3-2 to qualify for the final. That will be on Thursday. Um, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that one for you as well. Busy week of sport ahead. Plenty going on. It's 150 uh, here on SENZ. Uh, we'll take a short break and then we'll uh, catch up with our old mate Staffy going into midday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.